Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Iranian-backed Houthi militants launching a new wave of missiles and drones at commercial ships. Their response after the U.S. destroyed 10 of their attack drones and a ground control station in Yemen. But the string of U.S. and allied strikes so far failing to slow the Houthi attacks. Final preparations now underway at the Pentagon for multi-day, multi-target missile and bomb strikes. Militants and their weapons in Iraq, Syria, and possibly Yemen, all on the list of likely targets for retaliation. They have a lot of capability. I have a lot more. I am frustrated as hell as how this story has dropped out of the news media so much. Martha Raddatz, is, she seems to be frustrated herself on ABC News. I like the angle she's been taking all week long. but last yeah, So Lloyd, Lloyd Austin does a press conference yesterday. The only thing anybody seemed to be concerned about was the... You know, why he didn't tell the president when he told the president and the whole prostate thing and everything like that. Barely any coverage whatsoever of questions of, uh, what do you think about three of your service people dying last week? How are they not protected? How are you going to keep them protected in the future? We've seen no evidence of deterrence against any of these groups. The Houthis are still firing at us. That was like not even an important story for most of the newscasts. Really pissed me off. Well, we can delve into the media coverage of it at some point, but let's welcome Jeff McCausland, CBS News military consultant, to discuss the military aspects of this. Jeff, there's so much. What Jack was just describing, uh, the fact that the Pentagon is still, quote-unquote, uh, making final preparations and then announcing where the attacks would come. What do you make of all this? Well, I make, first of all, and I share some of Jack's frustrations. And for a long time, I've been saying this is almost inevitable, this particular tragedy. U.S. forces in Iraq and Syria have been subjected to over 160 attacks by these particular groups prior to the one that hit the uh, Tower 22 in Jordan, resulting in three uh, U.S. KIA. So despite our efforts, and we have not been able to shot, shoot down and defend ourselves, I think pretty doggone well, inevitably one of these things was going to get through, and inevitably you were going to have a tragedy like this. And this is where you're at. Clearly the Pentagon is preparing for some type of uh, uh, large-scale response. I think it'll be a multi-day, if you will, air campaign. Real questions of why this has taken so long, but I think to some degree when you're doing something like this, you want to be a bit deliberate. 
clearly what the Biden administration has been trying to do in all its responses is walk a tightrope between trying to send <clears throat> very clear and forceful messages to these various groups to stop doing what they're doing, whether they're Iraqi groups, Shiite groups backed by Iran, or whether they're Houthis in Yemen, while at the same time not doing something so precipitous that it tips the particular conflict, all this being tied to the war in Gaza, into a regional conflict that could literally stretch from the Mediterranean Sea all the way to Iran. And then there are operational requirements that have to be considered. Apparently the weather in the target area has been particularly bad, and they're interested that you go in VFR visual so you can make sure you hit the right targets and have the least collateral damage. Number two, you've got to make sure that you look at force protection, because once this campaign begins, all the bases we have in Iraq and in Syria, and we have a number, in some places relatively remotely, there may be a large-scale response, and as a consequence, we've got to be ready to resupply, reinforce, defend, or in fact evacuate those bases if things were to escalate very precipitously uh, in the aftermath. We've got to make sure we talk to some of the allies in the region, make sure we understand they their concerns, and then we decide where we're going to go on that tightrope between trying to send a very, very forceful message that hopefully brings us to a close without kicking us over into a major regional conflict. Well, everything you say is unquestionably true, but, uh, you know, my counter would simply be you would think those preparations would have begun in earnest after, say, 30 or 60 or 127 attacks. And as we have been saying, similar to you, it, it seems an awful lot like the administration uh, endured attack after attack after attack and needed some dead people to justify the sort of deterrence that would prevent dead people and it just i find that morally and as a patriot unacceptable no i think your point is is very well taken but that being said even in this case i i learned when i worked in the white house and i worked in the pentagon when you get into a crisis like this this immediate attack you got to make sure you understand one thing half of the initial reports you get is wrong and so as a consequence, one thing you want to make sure is you identify which of the groups is directly responsible for this attack. It's very likely this group called Qatab Hezbollah, without a doubt, though there are two or three other Shiite militia groups that are operating in the area in both Syria and Iraq. Second thing you got to look for is the proverbial smoking gun. Yes, as the president said, are these groups backed by Iran? No question about it. Is the drone that was used in this attack largely manufactured in Iran, likely manufactured in Iran, probably, and the munitions on board? But backed by Iran does not mean directed by Iran. Can you find the smoking guns from intelligence where you have a direct connection between the IRGC, Revolutionary Guards in Iran, and this particular group? I mean, metaphorically, we back Israel in the conflict they're involved in, but we don't direct the ongoing military operations. In fact, we've complained about the level of violence that the Israelis have used to kill 26,000 Palestinians. So there's that differentiation to be made. And those, I think, will slow that response. Although you're quite right, many of these things, in terms of so-called uh, options, should have been prepared in advance if, in fact, we saw the situation deteriorating in terms of defending, resupplying, or evacuating our bases in the yeah, region. Uh, yeah, I violence go on the I'm beyond an armchair quarterback on this. I'm not even as good as that, but I do not understand, since you used the word inevitable over and over and over again, how the Pentagon didn't have all of these plans ready to go immediately when it finally happened. And then in terms of you saying they're all backed by Iran but not directed by Iran, 
What difference does it make if you hit Iran hard enough? They'd have to call off their dogs, wouldn't they? Wouldn't they have to say, hey, you better not do that anymore? And we're trying to d- deter the Houthis also from interrupting the shipping lane, so we got to send a message to all of those at the same time, don't we? Well, to some degree, these two, they're connected, but they're separate. I mean, what will deter the Iraqi groups, I think, will be different than this, like, deters the Houthis. But you're quite right. We can go after Iran in a big way if we sort of excuse. We certainly have the capabilities beyond question, but we also have to consider what happens in in response, okay? What happens in response? The Iranians have already demonstrated long-range missile capabilities. They struck Pakistan because of a terrorist attack in the last few weeks. They struck a group in Syria. Uh, a week or so ago against the so-called terrorist groups. We know they have long-range missile systems. They could respond using that. They could intensify their efforts all across the region to include Hezbollah in southern Lebanon, intensifying their their attacks on Israel. They could, for a time at least, close the Straits of Hormuz and drive the price of oil to 150 bucks a barrel. Those may be things that you're willing to accept without question, but you got to consider that particular possibility. In some ways, I think deterring and getting these people to stop doing what they're doing in Iraq and Syria is a lot easier than trying to deter the Houthis, who have absolutely nothing to lose and have their own agenda, as do the Iraqis, which is to embellish their brand, attack more resources, encourage more volunteers, etc. I, I find myself wishing we had almost unlimited time for the Socratic uh, class with Dr. Jeff McCausland here, CBS News military consultant, because if I was sitting there in your class, um, I would say, well, Professor McCausland, it sounds like we're what you and Jack are, are, are talking about is is the question of the U.S.'s meticulousness and deliberation. The, we have to have a smoking gun. We need to figure out if Iran was actually directing, blah, 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 as opposed to not worrying about that sort of thing and just protecting the sort of a power that our adversaries would say, we don't want to mess with them. We just can't mess with them. Last time we did, they went nuts. They they blew up things had nothing to do with it. We're never going to mess with them again. And I realize that the answer to that query would take a very long time, but I think that's where we're at, isn't it? It is to a degree, but one thing I always are concerned about when we make a response to things like this is, and I saw this in Washington, nobody seems to want to answer the following question, and then what? And then what? <laughs> you know, a mil- military force is a means and not an end. So we can go and just devastate them if, if you'd like. We could nuke Iran if you'd like. We could do all that. Uh, where does that leave us on the other end of that? And the concern is it could lead us into a wider conflict. It, concern, of course, it results in large-scale uh, civilian casualties on the Iranian side. A lot of innocent people have nothing to do with all this stuff are going to die or get killed in the process. Now, once again, one might argue and one could be, have a convincing argument that that level of deterrence is required, <clears throat> okay? But at least I would I'd like to make sure there was some consideration of what happens the day after as you go through this process. Sure. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't ultimately, though, they, they be more worried about us escalating than us worried about them escalating? Well, they are worried about us escalating, quite frankly. The first thing the Iranians do is jump up in all the forms they could find and deny any connection to this particular mission. At the same time, Qadab Hezbollah jumped up in all their forms, social media likes, and up. Iran was totally disconnected from all this. And, oh, by the way, after negotiation with the Iraqi government, uh, we've decided we're going to suspend all these particular attacks. So they're all kind of scurrying towards the exit. And that's why I said a moment ago, it seems to me bringing this particular sad chapter to a close may be easier than dealing with the Houthis, who unfortunately I don't think have got a great deal to lose. 
The problem the Iranians have got is they basically, I think in many ways, won the game. The game for them was to get the United States out of the region, out of Iraq in particular. And even prior to this most recent attack, we had begun negotiations with the Iraqi government on a timetable to withdraw our forces because of strained relations following previous airstrikes that hit Iraqi soil. So the Iranians had really, in their hand, gained what they wanted to accomplish. And I think they have gone a step too far, or their proxies, who they may have only limited control of, have gone a step too far. And so what they want to do is take their winnings and leave the table. So interesting. Jeff McCausland, CBS News military consultant. Always enjoy the conversation, Jeff. Thanks a million. You guys are a pleasure to talk to. Armstrong and Getty. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.